This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 51 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, today on the podcast, I am honored to get to interview Sarita Holzman, who is the creator of Sunlight Curriculum. Sunlight has been around in homeschooling circles for a very long time. It was actually created to help missionary families homeschool their own children. And as such, Sarita has a heart for bringing the world to families through the literature and books that she chooses for her curriculum. She is a wealth of resources on wonderful geography stories from around the world, these stories of different cultures from all over the place. And so I was thrilled to get to chat with her today about book recommendations and why these stories are so important to our kids. And we'll get on with that interview right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Your Morning Basket podcast is brought to you by Maestro Classics. Would you like to bring classical music into your children's lives? You can add classical music to your morning time today with Maestro Classics. These award-winning CDs and MP3s feature storytellers Yadu and Jim Weiss accompanied by the world-famous London Philharmonic Orchestra. Choose from a dozen titles including Peter and the Wolf, The Nutcracker, and one of the Barnhill family favorites, The Story of Swan Lake. What makes Maestro Classic CDs so special is that each CD and MP3 contains a 24-page activity book with illustrations, puzzles, games, and fun facts for kids. You can download Download free curriculum guides that combine classical music with science, math, geography, and other subjects. All CD and MP3 sets include tracks which explain to your children how the music was made, who the composer was, the history and story behind the music, the instruments used by the orchestra, and most importantly, how to open your ears and really listen. Listening is a learned art, and Maestro Classics guarantees that these recordings will explain and develop listening skills in your children. Visit maestroclassics.com for free shipping on all CDs and MP3s. They start at just $9.98. As a Your Morning Basket listener, you can receive 17% off your order by using coupon code PAM at checkout. Go to www.maestroclassics.com. That's maestro, spelled M-A-E-S-T-R-O, classics.com, where the best classical music curriculum awaits your homeschool. And now, on with the podcast. Sarita Holzman and her husband, John, founded Sunlight Curriculum in 1990 with a desire to create a complete, biblically-based program rich in real books and guaranteed to spark a love of literature and learning in families. Today, Sarita and John continue their work with Sunlight with the help of their four adult children. Sarita is joining us on this episode of the podcast to talk about using literature to enrich our study of geography. Sarita, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Well, we are happy to have you here with us. This I told my kids today that I'm speaking to somebody very important on the podcast today. So this is Aww. an honor. Well, let's talk a little bit about geography. Why is the study of geography important? Why should we include this in our homeschools? Well, I think at the very root 
we, we studied geography because it's God's world. And as we think about the world that he's made and the various peoples and the different cultures, to have an understanding of his world actually honors the things that God has made. And I think, too, uh, for a more practical reason, we live in a very interconnected world. So we want to make sure our children understand the world that they live in, that they're not so provincial in where they live, but they have a bigger understanding of the people that they'll come in contact with throughout all of their days. Yeah, the world has gotten a lot smaller since I was a kid. Right. Boy, isn't that the truth? And you go to the grocery store or anywhere, and there's just uh, peoples from around the world that have come to live among us. It's amazing. Yeah, very much so. Well, isn't geography all about like math and facts and figures? What does literature really add to the study of geography? <laughs> well, that's a really good question. Of course, it's it's more than that, because people, while they live in a particular place that can be found on a map, uh, they live in communities that are varied and interesting. And I think that's one of the reasons we should study them, because uh, when we get to heaven, if you're a believer, uh, we're going to meet up with all these people that bring their own unique ways of even praising God to the Father, right? So we'll have a chance to uh, learn about how these people live and how they operate and function. And as we read stories around that take place around the world, we have a chance to get a firmer grasp even in how the world is varied and different and interesting. And uh, it's just a real great way to uh, grow in our understanding of the world where we've been placed. Yeah, and the peoples in that world, too. Um, it's it's so interesting to note how different a lot of the, even just cultural beliefs are around the world. Things that we take for granted that people might actually believe in. And I'm not even talking about religious beliefs here, but just, you know, attitudes about family and uh, things like that. We We assume everyone has those same attitudes, but a lot of times they really don't, do they? I think that that's true. I think to get back to the root of things, every family, of course, wants the same thing for their children. Uh, They all want to have food for their children and clothing and education. But how that manifests itself can be very different. Uh, For example, in the Middle East, there's less of an emphasis on girls where they just, you know, if you have a girl, that's less desirable. Uh, Or if you travel to other parts of the world, you have different uh, ways where Maybe the foods are different that they're eating, or their worldviews and their belief systems are different. At root, though, everybody has kind of the same desires for their kids. It's how it manifests that's a little bit different. Yeah, it's important to come to the understanding of our similarities and our differences uh, and Mm -hmm. and acknowledge both of those. I think that's a very profound statement. And because we don't want to be afraid of other people, we want to recognize that while they have differences and uh, different ways of thinking about things, Again, they they are similar as well. So we don't walk in fear, you know, when we meet other people from other places, because in a lot of ways, they're like us. They like to play games. They have squabbles with their siblings, you know, but to be afraid, if we focus too much on the differences, we can lead to fear in those arenas. Right, right. Let me ask you this, because I know you have chosen many a book in your day. (laughs) If, If we are, if we're looking at Uh, choosing books to use about different cultures and about different locations around the world in our homeschool, what what are some tips that you would give a mom? I would try to do a wide variety of places around the world. One, again, because we want to have our children understand that the world is varied and interesting 
and unique and different in different parts of the world. So I'd, I'd choose books from a wide breadth of countries. I, too, would also be looking for stories that have won awards because I feel like we want to be looking for books that are well-written and grasp the heart and understand the culture in ways that maybe we wouldn't look, we wouldn't even know how to look for. Uh, I'd look for books that are both boy and girl books. It's very important for me that we try to have a balance even in uh, the styles of books that are out there. We want to have, uh, we don't want to just have male hero, heroes, and but we want to have female girls that are working things out in their culture and in their life. So I'd look for that as well. <laughs> um, I'd look for um, stories where kids overcome. We want, uh, we don't want a lot of victims because we want our kids to learn that they can move forward and act in ways that can make a difference. I think that's super important to me. So I don't, I don't do a lot of books where, you know, the children don't win at the end <laughs> mm. because even though they can struggle, I want them to overcome in the end. So that's a personal preference of mine, but that'd be the type of thing I would be looking for. Does that help? Yeah, no, that's a great list. Um, it really is. Well, let's talk about some of your favorite books about uh, different cultures and geography. What are some of your favorite anthologies of stories from other cultures? Well, there's a marvelous collection of stories called Sweet and Sour that are, t- that are stories from Africa. Uh, they aren't animal stories, but they are people and they are set in the different dynasties. That's a very nice collection. What about some lesser-known stories? Do you have any favorite stories that uh, you've come across that are maybe not as well-known? Well, it's hard for me to know what the audience might know, but a book that I absolutely love is called A Long Walk to Water. Uh, It's set in East Africa, and it's in a country where the women every day would have to walk hours to collect water for them to use for their home. Uh, partially because of tribal uh, differences in the community there and warfare that was happening. It was risky even for those girls to walk. And the story resolves in the end where one of the members of one of the warring tribes actually uh, has a change of heart and comes back and drills a a well for one of the communities that had formerly been in tension with the other. Marvelous, beautiful story of redemption and uh, just really pretty. A uh, one that our children adore is uh, Seven Daughters and Seven Sons. Uh, it's set in the Middle East where the father with the seven sons is is uh, honored greatly because he's lucky enough to have had seven sons. And his brother has had these seven daughters and he's despised because who wants girls in that particular culture? And it's the story, is it's a wonderful twist of uh, the daughter being someone who is bright and actually makes a difference in her family and ends up uh, becoming famous and uh, does good things for her family, whereas the sons, the seven sons, all kind of uh, fall away. (laughs) It's kind of a great twist on even the difference that you can have in those types of cultures. Uh, Another one is uh, Shadow Spinner. Oh, I love it. It's also in the Middle East. Uh, It's a story of a girl who is collected from the marketplace because she's a gifted storyteller. And she comes and works with Scheherazade uh, of the fame of the Thousand and One uh, Arabian Nights, the mm-hmm. stories of for stories to tell. So she brings this girl into her harem and uh, basically seeks to uh, figure out how to get the stories told. But it's a marvelous picture of living behind walls and uh, just trying to survive in a society where 
the culture is so different than our own. Charming story. Uh, Another one that maybe isn't super familiar is uh, Breaking Stalin's Nose. Uh, It's set in the Soviet Union during the days of Stalin. And it's uh, a beautiful picture of uh, the challenge of living in a repressive society and uh, a comparison even between, you know, how, how do you live in a place where socialism operates and everyone lives in fear and it's quite quite a story and a way to gently introduce kind of the idea of communism and the way that it can impact our world do you need me to stop in between we have a- <laughs> i think we i think we've blown some book budgets here <laughs> already but of those I have only I had only heard of one of those, so that was that was fabulous right there because there were some some wonderful choices. Um, let's talk a little bit about stories for little kids. Why would we want to study geography in this way with with even you know kids who are five or six years old? And then give me a couple of stories that you would use with them. Sure, one of the reasons we want our children, even at a very young age, to read stories that take place in other parts of the world is because it helps them actually recognize their own society a little more effectively. As we can see things in comparison, we can actually recognize uh, the way that we live. And one of my favorites that uh, is really perfect for that age group is um, Little Little Pear. It's a story of a little Chinese boy, and he very carefully never steps on his uh, threshold because, you know, then the evil spirits would come. And it's just a beautiful, charming picture of a life in a very different culture with a very different worldview, but not scary, not frightening, but just a lovely, charming illustrations and a great way to even look at a different part of the world. And a picture book that takes place also in China, the story of Ping. A boy, a boy lives on a houseboat and every day the ducks go out and come back again after they've been out uh, feeding all day. Just a different snapshot of what life looks like in another part of the world. What about teenagers? How would you pull them into a study of geography? What kind of of books would you use with them? With teenagers, I'd probably do missionary biographies. And that's a huge passion of mine because very important for teenagers to recognize that ordinary people can have a huge impact in their world. And that's important for me, that our kids recognize that God uses just regular, regular people in ways that are amazing so I'd probably hand them, you know, a biography of Mary Slessor, who was just an ordinary girl, very little education, uh, went into Africa, uh, went back into the bush, uh, stopped the twin, you know, they were murdering twins because they were afraid that they were part of, you know, that they were part demon-possessed or whatever, and totally transformed the culture just by uh, living life among them and uh, transforming it. Similarly, you have Gladys Aylward, who went over to China and worked with uh, the mule mule drivers and uh, transformed that culture for the for the great name of God. I mean, it's just amazing to me what just ordinary people can do if we just pick up some biographies and share those with our kids. I think, you know, story of God's smuggler. Wow, isn't that one we want to do mm. with all of our teenagers? You know, show just a guy who would take his little Volkswagen bug into Eastern Europe and carry in bug Bibles for the people that were desperate for them and just watched God protect him and keep his life. For, you know, it was, it's just a, an amazing challenge and a good thing for our young people to read. Awesome. Well, what would this look like? 
in a family, if we were um, sitting and reading together the stories, what else might we do once we're finished with this story to kind of extend some of the the learning there? Well, I I would what we always recommend is that we map every location that we read about in a book. So if you're studying the Civil War, for example, find out where all those battles happened by putting them on a map of the United States. Similarly, when you're reading a story that takes place in another part of the world, map it. Find out where it is. What does it look like? Uh, another thing we can do is stop and say, okay, how, what cultural differences did you notice? Are there things that we need to be aware of so that when we come in contact with people from this country, we might be able to interact with them a little more appropriately? Oh, that's and awful. if you're really, you could even make food <laughs> from those other parts, but some of us don't like to cook. But it's a good idea. <laughs> My kids, that's always their favorite part. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> They're like, oh, now we have to cook from there. And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> There'll be dishes to do. Well, what a good mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. If, if there's other worldviews that come up, I would highlight those and say, now, why do you think that they did what they did? And it's based on the way they view the world. For example, little Pear, when he wouldn't step on the on the threshold, he had uh, animism as his background, and he believed that spirits were there. Well, we don't believe in spirits. Do so. I mean, it's just a way to open up a conversation about the things and the differences that we can see in the worldviews that are in different books. Well, that leads to this question. And what do we do about elements from stories um, from other cultures that make us uncomfortable? Hmm. I think the best thing to do is to talk about them. Talk about why you're uncomfortable and why, uh, why, you, why, <laughs> why they make you uncomfortable. That's the best, the best phrase to do. Because what happens is it's coming from different worldviews. So, for example, there's a story called The Cat Who Went to Heaven, and it's the story of an artist who's supposed to do a mural or a painting for a Buddhist. Part of the trials and temptations that he has in this story are all based on his Buddhist beliefs. So to talk about that and say, now, why he's thinking this way, and why, do, why don't we have to worry about those? Are there any advantages to the way we look at things? Basically, it's just a good effort. And that's honestly what we want to do as we're parents, as we're educating our children. We want to talk about things so that our children have our understanding and we can explain to them why things uh, make us uncomfortable and we can explain why they are and how we would uh, operate in a different way. (laughs) Right. Well, I know that studying world cultures and different areas of the world is such a huge part of a Sunlight curriculum. So tell us, and it's a literature-based curriculum, so there are all these fabulous books and stories in there. Tell us a little bit about how you approach studying different areas of the world. I'd be glad to. When we started Sunlight, our original goal was to keep a missionary on the field for one more year by making education easy. Then after we'd been in business for a while, we decided that we would make, you know, homeschoolers in the United States need it easier too. So we opted to open up our program broader than just that international. So we've always had a big international flavor and feel. So when we planned the program, we said, okay, someone who's living in China as a missionary doesn't want to spend 10 of their 12 years studying American history. Now, where's America again? They've been around for 150 years. 
China has 6,000 years of record. Okay, how do we do this, Mom? <laughs> so our goal from the beginning was to um, start with the bigger world and give kids the way to understand their world in a big picture and then focus on American history. So that's kind of the direction we've gone. So we do a world history in K, one, two, six, seven, <laughs> and, and then up in high school as well. And then we do American history in third and fourth and then in uh, high school. So it's really a different way of even experiencing the world uh, from any other curriculum that's out there. So we try to put in a lot of stories that take place around the world, basically give our kids kind of that sense of uh, global perspective and big world thinking. Uh, one of our years is very unique, very novel. In We study the Eastern Hemisphere, which where uh, the majority of the unreached peoples of the world actually live. So we start in China, we move through Asia, go up into the Soviet Union, hit the Middle East, hit Africa, go to Australia and New Zealand, and then we end up at Antarctic. Very novel year, but it's done where we just focus the whole year on other parts of the world that most of us will probably never actually have a chance to visit. But it's a part of the world that actually needs to hear, we need to learn about and to pray for and be aware of. So it, <laughs> Sunlight is a different kind of a program, and I speak as clearly as I can about this because I think it's important for our children to recognize that the world is an interesting place, and we do want to focus on that. We want to pray. We want to be aware. And we want to have our kids to be ready to be able to read the newspaper uh, you know, where where is North Korea, Mom? Why is it in the news? Well, here it is, and we've actually learned a little bit about it because it's important to recognize uh, that the world is interconnected and the world has uh, things that we actually need to be aware of. We want to read stories that take place and understand the tensions in the Middle East because that's in the news all the time. These are places of the world that are uh, important for us to recognize and be aware of. We don't want to be unknowledgeable or unknowing about the things that are important and strategic. That's fascinating because you're right. I, you know, as somebody who it tends to look at a lot of homeschooling resources, because I get asked a lot of questions, sometimes I do get oh. the question, you know, where, where can we learn things that are not so Western Hemisphere specific? And uh, that Sunlight curriculum, that entire year's worth of Eastern Hemisphere is one of the very few unique programs out there that's like that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our customers will say that's actually their favorite year, mainly because it's so woven together and it gives them a chance to recognize those uniquenesses and differences that we just honestly don't often come in contact with. So it is, it's, it's a good one. <laughs> Well, you know, stories and literature and books are a huge part of morning time and what we do here at Your Morning Basket. But another thing that we really focus on is bringing the entire family together or as much as possible until those teen years get so hairy, bringing them together to learn all together. So can you talk to me a little bit about how uh, sunlight could be used with multiple uh, ages of kids? Is that possible to do that with one or two programs? It's absolutely possible, and we actually recommend it. Because books, of course, aren't graded, books aren't, you know, they don't say, oh, when you're three years old, you read this one, and when you're eight-year-old, you, they're just not. They're written, a well-written book covers a wide span of ages. So we recommend that families with a wide breadth of ages all gather around one particular program and then add in math and language arts and some of those what we call 
uh, seat works mm-hmm. to do for each particular child. But yes, then you sit on the couch and you read the histories and the stories and the read-alouds and all the things that are woven together, all together as a family. And we did it with all of our kids, and my kids are widespread, and they all did the same program together. And it's uh, a way of building unity and connectedness, and you have a whole set of experiences that you've entered into together. <laughs> it's a huge privilege to be able to sit on the couch and read and learn and study and do great books together, oh. and I'm sure you know as well. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so um, if there was a family who was interested, you you do have people there who can help them choose the right program for a wide variety of ages. We absolutely do. We have Sunlight Moms who act as advisors. So just call in and ask for an advisor and they'll either call you back or connect you right directly through and we'll gladly talk through their experience and how much sunlight means to them, and help you figure out exactly what works best for the range of kids. Absolutely, please call. Oh, perfect. Yeah, because I think sometimes people get the catalogs, and they're they're looking and they're seeing kind of these labels on things, and they don't always feel comfortable kind of stepping outside the label and working on something that'll work for them. So yeah, I'm glad that you guys do that. Well, Sarita, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about literature and geography and how we can use these stories to help bring our understanding and empathy for the rest of the world up to uh, a greater level. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate what you do to advocate for homeschooling families. Keep up the good work. Thank you. And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to any of the resources that Sarita and I spoke about today, including links to all of those wonderful book recommendations that she made, you can find those on the show notes for this episode of the podcast. That is at pambarnhill.com forward slash YMB51. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another great morning time interview. And until then, keep seeking truth goodness, beauty in your homeschool day.